you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 20th of February. Back from All-Star break, the Jazz are getting back underway. We'll break down what's coming ahead for the Utah Jazz in this schedule. We'll look back at All-Star weekend, the schedule, and more. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give me insight, expertise, geeky numbers. Hope you're doing great. Hope you're having fun. Hope this makes it better to be a Jazz fan. We are a day away from basketball as the Jazz get underway against the San Antonio Spurs and then play a Friday-Saturday home-home with a Monday-Wednesday-Friday home sequence right afterwards. So big stretch. San Antonio, Houston, Monday, Friday, Sunday, and then Phoenix, Boston, and Washington, Monday through Friday. Tickets are available at utahjazz.com if you're jonesing to get out. Uh, And by the way, tip of the hat to utahjazz.com. Great all-star game coverage uh, from the all-star weekend. Uh, taking place there, uh, all sorts of different things you can go uh, watch and videos and see their all-star moment in their post-game press conferences of Rudy and Donovan. It was certainly fun to see both of them there, well-earned. Uh, big steps in their career, hopefully many more for the two of them. Uh, when Steph and Clay and everybody's healthy in the West, it'll get a little tougher on Donovan uh, and Carl Anthony Towns and, and all those things on Rudy. So uh, hopefully they can continue to play at an elevated level and have this experience time and time again. It seemed like they both cherished it, enjoyed it. Great little video NBA had of Donovan saying he felt like a 12-year-old kid. So uh, neat to see and good for everybody else to get the time off. I think every team in the NBA was pretty worn out. That All-Star game was a huge hit, though, wasn't it? It's interesting. The Elam scoring has kind of caught everybody uh, by... Uh, got, got a storm to it. It's an interesting concept. I actually like it... Um, I don't like blowouts, so it's an, it's a better way to, than doing blowouts. And um, particularly, actually, I was trying to figure out what the NFL equivalent was, but the the thought I had on this, the way the all, for those who didn't pay attention to the All-Star game, they had a scoring system where they took the leader and then added 24 points to them. And whoever, whatever team then reached that set number first won, it ended up going down to the wire with multiple shots on each side to try to win the game, uh, which got interesting. Um, and then actually some, some math that played into it that was being done incorrectly where actually it was, you could have gone, everyone was taking threes to win it, but since they were down by, the other team was down by enough, you could have gone for the easy two and then opened that up for you. But it took a little while for all these, you know, first time anyone's done it. So there was certainly, it was certainly interesting to, to see how that, uh, took place. Uh, and, and it caught everyone by storm question of whether they put it into the G league, uh, you know, does it eventually get into the NBA and, and become every game has a game-winning shot? That's that's the concept that would be most exciting, would be that every single uh, game would have some sort of a game-winning shot. I don't I don't know if we really get there, but it's, it's interesting. Um, it's different. It would change uh, some statistical measures. It would probably change the way, uh, whether you, when you pull your starters to some extent. Uh, I would argue it might. Uh, the sport that I think it would be best in would be soccer. Because the problem with soccer is when somebody gets ahead uh, by a certain amount and then they just play so defensively and the game gets boring, if you're kind of forcing someone to score one more goal to win, um, 
it's a, it's a would change the way the game's played in a probably in a positive direction. Some soccer fan now is mad that it would ruin the purity of the game. I, I can't wait till a baseball fan starts talking about the purity of the game this year. I played college baseball. I'm a big fan, but. That thing's a joke right now. Uh, imagine when someone there talks about the purity of the game uh, coming up. So it was a great weekend. I thought, obviously, that was the All-Star uh, game. was ex- extremely fabulous. It was everything you dream of. It was LeBron and Giannis going one-to-one. It was Harden going, you know, being guarded by best players. It was the best players in the world on the floor competing at a very high level. Uh, it was cool. Rudy and Donovan acquitted themselves well in that game in the, in the middle quarters and then didn't get much fourth quarter time. Uh, in that. All right, so let's look at what we have coming ahead. We have a bunch of story, great storylines. Ben Golliver and I actually did a Locked on NBA for you today uh, where we looked at the five biggest storylines uh, to us and, and what we're looking at going forward. And it's just going to be an incredible home stretch here. I mean, just an incredible home stretch. We talked about it some uh, on the show the other day with scheduling as we hit the All-Star break. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit about each team, and then we'll dig into a little bit where they are uh, in their schedule. Just kind of as a reminder, you know, we've talked so much about us since Jordan Clarkson. Like, that's our favorite thing, right? To cherry pick um, December 24th as our as our date of of when the Jazz added Jordan Clarkson and got in our schedule. You know, we have not played any of the five best um, offensive teams in the league, and we've not played any of the five, or five best defensive teams. We've not played any of the five best teams in the league in that stretch. So it's a little misleading, but it, it also is worth pointing out just kind of one or two other things in this as, as we look at things, um, you know, in the last 25 games and, and maybe I could just look at the last 15 and not cherry pick so much for the jazz advantage, but it's worth remembering that, that Memphis is 17 and six. New Orleans is 15 and nine. Uh, Oklahoma city is 18 and eight. Uh, and so in that, and then Denver without a very good differential is 17 and nine. Um, but I think Oklahoma City's 18 and eight is kind of, we're 18 and six, pretty high on our horse about that. They're 18 and eight. They're pretty darn good in that stretch. And again, those are dates, you know, we just cherry picked that. If you go back to um, back it up a little bit and take December 15th as your date, so you're taking the last three mo- two months of basketball uh, or so. You know, Oklahoma City is now 22-8. and eight. We're 21-7. and seven. The Lakers are awfully good. Denver's 22-9. and nine. Um, So if you look at the last 30 games, and that's not always the greatest indicator, but it tells you, I think the one thing is that the Thunder probably deserve to have a little bit more conversation uh, in us. But here, here's as we sit. Um, and I think there's some really interesting storylines. And then, and then uh, I, I looked at the schedule and, and John Schumann, uh, did as well, so I'll have uh, I'll I'll break down what John Schumann said. John Schumann does uh, great work at the NBA. Um, so as we sit the standings tonight, as we Denver is thirty eight and eight seventeen. They're they're in second position. They have not lost a game in division. They are seven and three in their last ten. They have they're one less in the loss column. Um. You know, on my metrics, the way I look at it, they play seven gimmies, ten should wins, seven pickems, and three games are tough. So they play of games that are below sixty percent winning chances. They have ten left the rest of the way. It's a lot. The Jazz have eleven. The Rockets have nine. The Clippers have six. Um, according to John Schumann, they have fifteen of their twenty-seven games are against teams with winning records 
which is the toughest remaining schedule uh, in the West. Two games each against the Clippers and the Jazz, and then we play the last game of the season, uh, but not on the last night of the season, uh, on, against, the, against them. Uh, now, the Denver has the second-best record, 15-9 and nine in games played between the 14 teams that come out of the break over 500. Denver's really interesting to me. One, they just might be really good. For two years in a row, I think everybody's been waiting for Denver to kind of take a, take a second and, and skip a beat. And, you know, frankly, they just haven't done that. Uh, Jokic is an MVP candidate that probably is talked about as MVP candidate, but I don't think people give him enough credit for his impact on the game. Michael Porter Jr. is developing. Uh, I, 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 think they're, I think they're super interesting because there's a really high possibility that they're the number two seed. And I, I don't get the personal feeling that there's a lot of talk of that. Um, and if they get the two seed, which they've earned, it rocks the playoff picture a little bit. They're at thirty. They're at twenty six percent chance of the two seed, according to Basketball Reference. The Clippers are 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 way uh, more likely at forty five percent to be the two seed, and then the Jazz are most likely to be uh, the four seed. Denver being the three seed, and the other question is whether Denver ever blinks. They just haven't in so long. I have a hard time believing uh, that they would blink. So Denver's super interesting to me. We'll we'll look at the rest of the teams. Uh, as we continue, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Uh, special thanks to the crew at Murdoch because a bunch of Locked On Jazz listeners have had just great experiences. Uh, we had a Locked On Jazz listener that was up in Logan and emailed me back afterwards saying, you know what, that was just a fabulous experience. I love hearing that, so thank you to Murdoch for creating those uh, experiences for our listeners uh, absolutely terrific lineup of SUVs. I drove by one of the Konas the other day. I was like, that is just a sweet, sweet looking car. Uh, this little zippy SUV. There's also the Tucson. I'm driving the Palisade, which is the big SUV right now. And it is just super. Uh, really uh, had a, a nice time with it. Great value, bells and whistles everywhere. And then you get things like this. I got Jeff uh, Nybergall emailed me and said, just wanted to let you know, follow up my experience at Murdoch Hyundai and Logan. My wife and I uh, were with Cameron Avery. who was incredibly satisfied with the experience. He helped us basically get a new Tucson for a screaming deal. He was very helpful in getting us the best deal. Really listen to know what our priorities were. We highly recommend anyone to work with Cameron. That's from Jeff uh, Nybergall, a Locked On Jazz listener. Make sure you email me first before you go visit Murdoch Hyundai in either Logan Linden or at 4646 South State Street, and I'll set you up with one of the great salespeople before you enter the door. That's Murdoch Hyundai. I just got back from a helicopter skiing trip, uh, and thank goodness for my Theragun. Uh, the Theragun is the professionally grade he- held uh, therapy device for deep tissue treatment, releases tension, improves mobility, accelerates recovery, enhances performance. It's basically having a uh, deep tissue massage traveling with you at all times. Uh, Theragun exists to empower everybody on earth to feel the best it can naturally. The products and services create wellness naturally, helping others reconnect with their body when eliminating the... I finished my day of skiing, and I just sat down with the Theragun immediately to get my body to be coming back, to bouncing back. Uh, The handheld 
devices, therapy devices, are a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And it allowed me to get back the next day feeling better than I would have before. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or get your money back. Go to theragun.com slash locked on. For a limited time, <clears throat> my listeners will get a free charging stand, which is a $79 value. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. And take the massage Theragun with you uh, on the road. Be- great workout. Want to feel better? Want to recover faster? There it is. The Theragun is there for you. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, so we looked at Denver. The Clippers are the odds-on favorite for everyone, and the interesting question on the Clippers is what do they do, right? Do they get their rhythm back? Um, they have a game they have to reschedule against the Lakers, uh, that'll be April 10th, in all likelihood, according to various people, John Schumann. They only play six of their remain seven of the if you count the Lakers team, seven of their remaining 29 games against teams where their winning percentage is less than 60%. So their schedule is really, really easy, but they're resting guys, and Paul George's hamstring is acting up, and they haven't really found that rhythm yet. They have a stretch from February 28th through March 8th where they play every team is 11 games, 500 or better. Um, so that'll be, that's the stretch coming up. It starts in eight days and that I think will be interesting to see how they get through that. Frankly, it'll be really interesting. They don't play till Saturday of what Paul George does because Paul, they, they just haven't, they just haven't had time together. Does it matter? Are they that good? And it just doesn't matter. And really, they their lack of camaraderie, their lack of cohesion, uh, has has not had a negative impact on them. I mean, it's a they're when they have their guys on the floor, they've been great. They've just had it very, very rarely. Um, when you look at them with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor together, I mean, they've played fifty. Both most teams have played about. 5,500 possessions at this point, okay? So, but they've had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor together. Out of those 5,500 possessions, they've only played 20, a little more than 20% of their minutes. And they're plus 7.8. So they're good. Their offense is in the 70th percentile. Their defense is in the 90th percentile. Now, I, you know, you got to figure, now they've had a, a Marcus Morris, um, and I think there's like just a lot of questions about who their third guy is, right? So is Lou Williams a part of that? Or now that they just added Reggie Jackson, uh, how does Lou Williams fit into that? I think it's interesting. Is Montrez Harrell, um, you know, their guaranteed third spot in this? Or are they going to suddenly start starting, finishing with somebody else? There's a lot of lineup games they have to play. They're plus 10.5 when they have Montrez Harrell on the floor, but they've only played, done that for 400 possessions. So less than about 7% of their minutes this year. They've had Lou Williams, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard on together this year. They're plus 10. They've only done that for 356 possessions. Again, about 7 or 8% of their minutes. Do they start to, you know, does that matter to them? Do they have to start playing these guys together in in some capacity? Obviously, uh, Patrick Beverly is a key piece, but I don't know how you're having Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, and Marcus Morris, and Montrezl Harrell on the floor together. But even Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly have only played about 12% of their minutes together. 
They're plus, they're plus 11. They're very good when all these guys are on the floor. But whether they're going to do that or not, I think is a really interesting question for them. But their schedule is just not hard the rest of the way. Houston's the one that's most interesting to me. They, they have the softest, most amount of just gimme wins. Teams just don't lose games they're supposed to win this time of year very often. And they have 16 games with a winning percentage over 80 of the remaining uh, 28 games. Uh, they play the most Eastern Conference-heavy remaining schedule. 13 of their final 28 games are against the other conference. Uh, they only play five more t- games against the other six teams in the top West top seven. So that's through Dallas. They finished their series with the Nuggets. They finished their series with the Thunder. They play us. They have big games early. They play us on Saturday. The March 5th, they play home against the Clippers. And that, and then they don't play a lot of other teams. Their final eight games of the regular season are in the state of Texas with three two-game homestands separated by trips to Dallas and San Antonio. I think they're going to make a huge surge here. My expectation is that the Rockets, who most people project and most systems project as a non home court advantage team will be a home court advantage team, which puts brutal pressure on the Jazz. Basketball Reference has a 49% chance they're the fifth or sixth seed and then a 14% chance they're the seventh seed. So they've got them, you know, at 64% chance about that they're not going to have home court advantage. I, I think they will. I think they're going to be incredibly difficult to prepare for. I think they're going to be really good and barring somebody wearing down. That's the issue to me. Does P.J. Tucker, do one of their players wear down playing the way that they're playing here? I think is going to be the issue. But I suspect the Rockets, this small ball works. It works for them, particularly. The numbers are pretty dramatic of how much better they are without Clint Capella. Uh, I don't know if I care that they signed Damari Carroll or Jeff Green. Uh, I find the report that Jeff Green decided a 10-day contract to see if he fits is hysterical. Um, But uh, agents spin and reporters are beholden, so they report. Uh, It's an interesting, uh, but I do think that that team, you know, if nothing else, Damari Carroll and Jeff Green should give them 12, 14 minutes a night. That is enough time for them to be able to lessen the burden I'm talking about on some of their players. And I suspect Houston becomes a home court team. Now they've got a little bit of a makeup to do, right? Their loss column situation is 20. Jazz is 18. Clippers is 17. Nuggets is 17. They could play great. And if the Nuggets, Clippers, and Jazz play the way they've been playing, there just aren't enough games for them to make up. And it gets, you know, gets interesting. We'll take a look at the, let's take a look at the Jazz. I mean, that's really, we if we can dictate our own. We've been great at home. And we have the most home games remaining. They have 16 home games remaining. We're 20 and 5 at home. And we have these first five games at home, which could really give us a little bit of a jump. We have a rest advantage when we host Houston. Or, excuse me, rest disadvantage when we host Houston. But it's interesting, the rest disadvantage is not as big a deal this year as it has been in years past. 
Um, John Schumann points out teams with a rest advantage are winning 54% of their games, 56 at home, 49% on the road if they're at a rest advantage. So it's not, you know, it's not in the 60s or something that huge. Uh, we are we have a rest disadvantage going the wrong way. Um, the question, obviously, for us is whether we can defend. We have one of the league's toughest remaining schedules in regards to opposing offenses, according to John Schumann. 12 games against the top 10 offenses. Three, uh, three meetings with the 10th-ranked Spurs, two each with the Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets, and only six remaining against the top 10 or against the bottom 10 offenses. Okay, so we're going to find out whether we can defend. Oklahoma City plays 13 teams against top 10 offenses the rest of the way. In contrast, we talked about how the easy the Clippers schedule is. They only play seven. Houston plays nine. Portland only plays seven. Top defenses, we only play eight games left against the top 10 defenses. We play 11 games left against the bottom 10 defenses. We play, other than in the playoff push, we play the most games against teams with bottom 10 defenses. So we got to throttle those teams and then see how we handle the others. Today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. I love the billboard I saw on the drive uh, yesterday. Uh, real, you know, money back when you use a quote friend versus money back when you use uh, Homie up to $5,000 back when you, you buy a, a house with Homie. Homie's got some interesting things going on. A new academic study from BYU professors show that Homie is selling homes for more and eight days faster than re- regular systems over the last three years. Homie is saving sellers an average of over $10,000 per purchase. Over $1 billion of sales transactions for Homie. Pretty cool to see the growth that Homie is having uh, moving into other marketplaces now, continuing to disrupt the marketplace. You can buy a house with Homie and the Homie agent will work to get you $5,000 back while still doing all the same things, taking your dream home, tour homes, making offers, negotiating the best deal, and at the end, working to get you $5,000 back. So the money that you pay for your home is not used to pay the seller, their agent, whatever agent you choose. It's your money that pays both agents usually, and now Homie is working to get you $5,000 back. Text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. That's LOCK to 88588 to find out more from an experienced local Homie agent. We'll help you every step of the way. It's Homie. Text locked to 88588. I don't want to dismiss Oklahoma City. I think they could be a disruptor here. They're they're down and Dallas, frankly, too, now that Luca's back. So just a quick check on them. Uh the Mavericks are the only team that has a better point differential on the road than at home. So they play 15 of their final 27 games on the road. That may not be that big a deal. Uh, they're playing seven of their first eight against teams with a losing record. So they should make a run here early. And then their final 10 games are against teams that are all above 500. 
They have not played well against that group. But maybe they make some growth. They pick up some things. They, they get a little better here down the stretch. They gain some confidence. To me, that's a super interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, but they are, you know, they're five back from Dallas, four back from Utah. I guess the other scenario here is if the Rockets do struggle, which I really had not contemplated a lot, the Thunder and the Mavericks are are in you know range. The Thunder play 15 of their final 27 games on the road. Uh, interesting, their final games against Dallas, that could have some playoff seating. Uh, the Thunder also have three remaining games against the Nuggets and two each against the Jazz and the Clippers. So we'll see how the Thunder react to, you know, where how they play this out. Um, the, neither, you know, Dallas is such a great offensive team. The Dallas has eight games against bottom 10 offensive teams that just can't match them. They play 10 games against top offensive teams. The Thunder play 13 games left against top offensive rated teams. As we talked about with the Jazz, the Jazz have 12 left against top offensive teams, only six against, so really a huge stretch against the Jazz. What I think so interesting on how the Jazz are perceived right now, and, and I think I'm as guilty as this as anyone, is they're just kind of almost the, I think they, you know, the start of the season lost people a little bit. We got the Lakers are going to be the one seed. Everyone's expecting the Clippers to move up to two. Then Denver's this like curious team of what they can do. And the Rockets small ball has people really intrigued. And then from there, I, I don't, I don't have the vibe that a lot of people are looking at the jazz and saying, wow, this is a team that, you know, since December you know, since Christmas or since we added Jordan Clarkson's got the number two differential in the league, they're ready to make a run. I don't think the Jazz have sold people on that. I think the five-game losing streak in the middle had an impact. I think the softer schedule to start had an impact. Our poor start to the season lost some people on the bandwagon. Then when we got hot, it was against lesser teams. And then when we lost a bunch of games, I think we lost that bandwagon again. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, we if we can grab these these five home games, which would include Boston, good wins over Boston, Houston, and San Antonio. You know, then all of a sudden you're 23 and six in your last, you know, 29 games. It'll be interesting to see whether or not that increases people's talk. But I do feel as though, and I don't mean this like we're being neglected. I actually think we've kind of earned this spot. But I, I feel as though there's a lot of talk going on. We're not a part of that talk. Not, oh, no one's talking about the Jazz. I, I feel like there's this kind of interesting intrigue to Denver. Um, there's this that's taking place. Uh, and I have it too. I, I just always look at Denver and, and suspect that at some point it's going to fall apart and it just never does to their credit. Um, 538 has them tied with the Clippers at 56 wins, has the Rockets at 54 with four and has us at five with 53. Like the numbers kind of have us going to five as well. And can we overcome that here? Do we're going to have to steal some, right? Uh, we have 11 games, which our winning percentage is below 60%. The Nuggets have 10, the Clippers have seven, the Rockets have nine. We have the most of those. Those are the games we're going to have to find 
a way to grab. And then, frankly, we're, we've got eight games or seven games on the schedule where we're 40% or below. And we've got to find a way to win a few of those. Celtics at, LA, at Boston, at Thunder, at LA, Lakers, at Dallas, at Portland, at Denver, at Thunder. So we got a brutal stretch. Tough games. We're going to find out a lot about ourselves. It's going to be super fun. 29 games left. Jazz got together yesterday. They'll practice today. Uh, I'll be down there, and we'll have a podcast for you tomorrow getting ready for DeMar DeRozan and the San Antonio Spurs and then the Houston Rockets on Saturday. Five games between now and Friday. This is going to be epic. Tickets are available at utahjazz.com. Go get your tickets and fire up. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On NBA, Ben Golliver and I sat down to talk about the five biggest storylines coming up in the NBA for the final stretch run. So tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast, Locked On NBA.